Abolition. 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 Art speaks to people. That's why they use it against you. You know, everything surrounding you is art, but it's being used against you, you see. I mean, you hear hundreds of times a day stuff that's anti your development. Hundreds of times. They have sing, they make you sing songs that are telling you you don't have no sense, you're crazy, you don't have no future. You think you're just singing a song. You're actually teaching yourself the propaganda of your opposed. So, Always the artist, progressive artist, wants to put art into the hands of the people, into the minds of the people, you know. Uh, <laughs> but it's, I mean, look at the the films that exist and find one of those hundred films that has a progressive line. Look at the television shows, find either one of them that's essentially progressive. The problem is that they are able to bribe and entice our people, oppress people, to take part in, you know, uh, art forms that actually attack them and, and, you know, discriminate against them and even, uh, you know, call them names and stuff. They, 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 they are people who a lot of times are not conscious enough to avoid being placed in situations where they're actually helping their enemies, you know, because they can finally say they're getting paid, <laughs> you know, and that's their excuse. And that's their excuse. They're getting paid. They're getting paid. I want y'all to feel all this, you know what I mean? Because we've all been there. So, yo, ride this track with me, will you? Here we go. Trying to achieve success in society Designed to keep me confined in a box that they can cut Locking up not just my physical But my mental manifestations Tried to escape the incarceration But found even my spirit hijacked By a plethora of denominations Ultimately given in the sin Found myself praying to all the bank institutions Forfeiting my very soul to be on the stroll Pimped out lyrical prostitution Yeah, I was hoeing Even Jesus couldn't say he know not what he doing Commercial achievement had me believing It was okay to play in the Babylon rules But tarnished fake ass gold Couldn't possibly keep me sold Nor shall I fold To any other traitorous payment methods My ancestors preceded the druids And I've been blessed since my affection For my embryonic fluids and since energy flow through me eternally, sometimes taking over me completely. But the message given to me was to speak of those who came before me. Gift too important to find life in a vacuum. So I grabbed my broom, swept aside the bullshit, and gave my life to the damned and doomed. Consumed, we're getting back to simplicity. Personality ridded of all vanity. I came back down to earth, newly governed by the laws of gravity, and was given the key. Not only for my own elevation, but for my words grew wings and before my brethren in the next generation. Need I mention 30 pieces can provide me peace No longer feast Even when the hosts are ABs or NBCs Yo, it's the days of Ramadan No longer beef with the beast And you can bet them cognizant That said of Satan takes many forms And even cool, even cool, even cool See freezing can blow in the full-blown storms And you don't want to see me mad No longer do I conform But rather put my hocus attentions To flying bandits of the downtrodden and while others have high grown up aspirations, my locations revolve around the children. But radio will never play me. Record labels seem to be scared of me. And my rebel yells can't seem to get the ear. A publisher yeah. don't care 
to understand me. Thirty pieces no longer tempt me. Thirty pieces got my people's minds blown. Thirty pieces can't solve the problem. No, 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 no. Thirty pieces so my piece of peace. Some see sanctuary in the fictions of holy structures. I bury scriptures in urban pictures. Street griot causing rise in the minds of those enslaved and masters. Oh, A seven-day pass, oh, no rest for the Sabbath. My duties and obligations are far too immensely mammoth. But my condition is unquestionable, leading the masses out the labyrinth. Financial bribes don't believe my tribe. Now they vibe with the words I scribe. And like a battalion of modern-day Lazaruses, their souls have been revived. Resuscitated minds, it's alive! My portfolio can only appreciate if I help you find your shine. Divine order obtained where the Lord's come out the woods. Finance can't improve the status of gods or goddesses. And even a whispered word can have power to break chains and harnesses. So nigga, keep your 30 pieces. No longer the Senate of Brutus or Judas. This movement is financed by the spirits. I'm just a medium for the exodus. So yo, let Caesar have what Caesar's. Let visions remain unblurred. Words, quick, quick, cut, words, quick, quick, cut, words, quick, cut, like swords, remain longer than flesh and doors, and even pure motivations, and intentions can take you straight to hell. We all know the story of how the greatest angel fell. Spells of religion and superstition need to fall under verbal shrapnel. So to all my fellow scribes, leave your egos on the door, and on your travels, I bid you well. On your travels, I bid you well. On your travels, I bid you well.
you know, last week we kicked off the first week of uh, Poetry Month, and we started off with a bang, you know, just with some of the stories we'd like, uh, the story of Otobanga, uh, the history of white people in America, how America invented race, how America made skin color power, for-profit prisons as an economic development program, and the contemporary conflation of slavery in the Bible. We're going to go a little deeper this week. So this week we have uh, historic events happening, you know, especially surrounding the announcement of H, uh, HB 196, the Slavery Abolition Bill in Louisiana that was introduced by Representative Edmund Jordan in collaboration with uh, Decarcerate Louisiana, the ACLU, the NAACP, the Abolish Slavery National Network, uh, prison, uh, prison Justice Initiative, and the Paul Coffey Abolitionist Center, and many, many more known as the Louisiana Coalition to Abolish Slavery. So this historic uh, legislation has received national and international attention, and we'll explain how and why as the program progresses. We may also get a call or two from uh, the Carcerate Louisiana organizers, which is great. We may even have someone uh, line already, because I see we have all kinds of callers on the board already. And also joining the discussion during National Poetry Month will be spoken word artist, globetrotter, Navy veteran. You just heard him in the opening track, Wayne Breeze Watson. I can't wait for that, because I'm a big fan of Wayne's. You know, so I can't wait to have him on the program and hopefully he'll hit us with something new. Uh, and, of course, we've got music, poetry, and the words of the ancestors brought to life in our Bridging the Gap segment. So, Max, take it away, brother. Definitely has been a heck of a week. As I mentioned, uh, I've been gone just about the whole week uh, out in Louisiana and traveling back and forth. And the experiences we've had there uh, were phenomenal. What we did was epic. Uh, the reaction to it is really epic. We've gotten international and national attention. Uh, people in Taiwan and Nambia are hear, hearing about how the prison capital of the world is about to uh, put forth, they're putting forth legislation to end slavery. And uh, people are like, slavery? <laughs> I thought slavery was over, but apparently it's not because we've got to put a bill in to end uh, constitutional slavery. Because it's right there in the Constitution. Uh, that's been a, a pretty amazing. And also, I taught a class in Ohio. I do this every year. I uh, spend the whole day teaching high school classes. I, Ohio uh, did that the day after our press release or press conference. And also, mm -hmm. I took a visit along with Tribal Rain to the Whitney Slavery Plantation. Um, that was a heck of an experience. We got a lot of videos on it. And as a matter of fact, we'll be sharing part of it during our Bridging the Gap uh, segment this evening. Well, that's, that sounds like a lot going on, Max. And Ooh. you see the board, right? <laughs> I'm looking Yo. at this and I'm seeing, you know, Louisiana is heavy on the board already. <laughs> I see 504s popping up all over the place. Let me give some information out to the, uh, our listeners. Uh, be sure before the end of the program tonight, our usual end, uh, to call in at 515-605-9814. 515-605-9814. You can find it on the website as well at abolitiontoday.org. We're going to have an extended program. So if you're not on the line, you won't hear it live. It's going to go off after two hours. 
but it will be available in its entirety in our archives. So after the archives come up, you'll be able to hear the end of the show. But if you want to participate, we're going to have a conversation about Louisiana and some of the things that are going on. So we'll have an extended show today, maybe 20 minutes to 30 minutes maximum. So make sure you call in before the end of the program. All right, man. uh, How about we just go ahead and get to bringing in our guests? What do you say? Absolutely. All right. Well, he, you know, I don't know this brother so long. Like, I got kids that are grown adults that wasn't born when we met. (laughs) You know what I mean? Wow. Uh, We go way back 20 years. He's one of the original founders of Prismatic Dreams. And Prismatic Dreams, one of the oldest and uh, Mm -hmm. spoken word organizations in America. We've been around since 1999. Uh, how do we say it? giving a fuck since 1999 <laughs> when nobody got one <laughs> we got one for you uh it's spoken word organization but he sent me this long 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 bio i mean he should have three times longer than this the stuff that he he has been a part of i'm gonna read some of it to you all right breeze is okay. a former former naval officer who upon entering uh descended upon the poetry scene not only is has Breeze been writing poetry for 18 years. He's also is a registered songwriter with the International BMI as well as ASCAP. Breeze has organized several tours, including the Millennium Funk Tour that traveled to Osaka and Tokyo, Japan, which featured Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees Grady Shady Thomas, Clarence Fuzzy Haskins, and Raymond Stingray Davis of the original P-Funk, Zap, and the Fifth Element, founded by Breeze. He's also toured with the fifth element, blessing five different continents. Breeze has penned songs for such artists as Kirk Franklin, Ciara, Speech, lead singer of the founder of the Arrested uh, Arrested Development, Jaheen, Terrence Trent D'Arby, and India Ari, as well as Tony Terry and Usher. Man, he'd be right, ghostwriting for everybody, don't he? <laughs> Breeze yeah, performed, for real. He's performed at the Greenpeace event in London featuring Terry Kellier and Indigo, as well as world-famous pop-com festival uh, Cologne, Germany, the Crossing Borders Festival in Amsterdam, and Medium in South France. Breeze has been a frequent guest performer at the National Black Arts Festival, as well as the annual Essence Festival. He shared the stage with performers like KRS-One, Julie Dexter, John B., Vivian Green, Bluey, Common, Mostef, Jill Scott, Lauren Hill, Bilal, Mike Phillips, Eldon Barge, The Last Poets, Music, Stanley Clark, T. Najee, Jessica Caramore, Saul, Saul, Saul Williams, uh, Simple Minds, as well as Max Parsons and Tribal Ray. <laughs> Additionally, this song after <laughs> writer performer has collaborated with the popular European band Zohar and internationally renowned reggae superstar Tony Rebel. This loquacious, did he use loquacious in his Bible? (laughs) This loquacious writer has additionally been a guest and or performer on several radio stations around the country, including B103, Hot 97.5, KISS FM, Power 99, KISS 104.1, 89.3, Abolition Today, and Choice FM London and Choice FM Lagos, Nigeria. He's performed at many musical festivals around the world, as well as touring Europe, Australia, and Africa, reaching out across the seas in lineage breeze with the help of TV One's Kathy Hughes, brokered the deal, allowing the network to be shown through 19 countries through the West to West Africa. He is currently working on music projects with R&B groups 112, Gladys Donald Jones, 
Tony Terry as well as his own musical group, Cartel Click, with K's in front. He has released the classic, The Writing is on the Wall, on Sony Europe. All right. Uh, without any further ado, let me see if I can find my brother Breeze out here. Breeze, press one on your keypad because it looks like you're using a different telephone number. That way uh, I know it's you. All right, there we go. Yeah, I think he, yeah that's who I thought he was, that number right there. Breeze, welcome to Abolition Today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Max, and yourself. It's an honor hey, and a privilege to be here. Wow. It's so great to have you here, brother. Definitely great to be had. And uh, I got to commend both of you for the crazy amount of work you've put towards the cause. You know, for those who don't know, y'all better read it. Thank you. Appreciate that, brother. Man, uh, this, you know, I I like to look at Breeze as my CIA minder because he's got all the top clears to, to everything. You heard what this brother's all about, right? But you only heard parts of it. He's also like a nuclear physicist as well. So he and I have some really, really deep conversations. As a matter of fact, the idea of using complexity theory, chaos theory, and fractal geometry rather than revolutionary theory in the abolitionist movement was something he and I discussed together in this initial uh, beginning. Right, Breeze? That is absolutely correct. And... uh... Yeah, the, that, that's my background. Um, I was a former Navy nuclear power officer. Uh, I later went on to get my master's in nuclear physics. But Max and I, and I've been blessed to, to have not just call him my friend, but my brother for over 20 years. Mm-hmm. We've been able to have some incredible conversations at 2, 3, 4, 5 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> that would uh, be past most people, but it's right in our pockets. And, and I thank you for that, Max. Uh, it's a mutual thing, brother. It ain't too many people that I could talk to about nuclear physics. You know what I'm saying? At two in the morning. <laughs> so, you know, I got you on speed dial for that one. No doubt, man. Well, uh, you also have been involved in politics a lot. Like you literally, literally written speeches for mayors and governors. Have you ever written any presidential speeches? Um, I, I did write for uh, presidential campaign. At Which time, campaign? The Obama. Oh, President Obama at the time. President Obama. Look at that. He was one of the writers for the Obama campaign. <laughs> Man, you know, back during that time, you and I was looking around us and saying, you know, people are about to have a, they're about to revolt now. Back in 2007 or so, uh, poets yeah. was all talking about revolution. People were on edge, you know, things like the Sean Bell murder and Abner Louima and all of those before had everybody uh, much like they are now. And if not for Obama coming yeah. in, <laughs> the, the kettle would have probably bubbled oil over right then. Uh, what do you think, Brady? Mm-hmm. You're absolutely correct. Uh, even prior to that, you and I have been more prophet than poet. Um, we've been able to read the writing on the wall, no pun intended, to see what direction this government and country were going in. Um, talking about coming from the state, both you and I, we've both been, been witness, unfortunately, to the barbaric treatment of these slave catchers out here. My own brother personally, unfortunately, uh, rest in peace, uh, was, was killed by New York City State, New York City police at a time when half my family works 
or, or members of the New York City Police Department. So I've been on both sides of the fence, and uh, you, you've been able to walk that journey with me through some tears and, and, and a lot of crying, but, but I thank you for that. And, you know, we were able to see what was going on a long time ago, and unfortunately things ain't haven't, haven't really changed. Yeah, they haven't changed. But, you know, we – I'm not even going to say we. Let's keep it on you at the moment, man. You've been a part of uh, laying out some past. And because you were part of that, things are the way they are now. Uh, not only in spoken word uh, industry, but also in politics, in music. Uh, you really have paved your own way and did a lot of it kind of like Arthur. You, uh, not, not Arthur, like Merlin. You know, you were uh, – people didn't see you up front all the time, but you were right in the middle of everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like Blog Talk mm-hmm. Radio, what we're on right now uh, is very much designed after what – we put together back in the day on conference yeah. calls, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah. how does it feel to be that type of person where you, you really have uh, been the mold that others have used over the generations? Well, I, I've always wanted to be a leader versus a follower, to to do my own thing versus doing what everyone else was doing. And you and I have been able to exist um, in this paradigm, being ourselves and having people come to meet us versus having to come meet people. And and, and that has always been a blessing. It's been, you know, um, amazing to watch this thing um, called spoken word give me the opportunity to travel the entire world and to gain entrance into environments and places that under normal circumstances would not be available to me. I don't know if you remember me, but I, I was I was able to speak, I was asked to speak at the Republican convention several years back. Um, and who, who would ever think a kid from the boogie down who is staunchly anti-conservative policy would be asked to come speak there? And you know, I could have done something really simple and, and and played it for the crowd, but if you remember, I did it like we always do it, brother, and did my thing. I spoke power to power and truth um, to the people and uh, was escorted out of Madison Square Garden for my efforts, but they will never forget the message that was given that day. Yes. Uh, you did the same thing with Brother Tommy Bottoms at the Gospel Choice, I think it was, awards. Uh, you and him were there. <laughs> Same thing, speaking truth to power. No, that wasn't Tommy. It was Abyss, because Abyss did Ask the Gospel <laughs> at the Gospel Choice Awards. Yeah, uh, that, that was awesome. So, you know, you've spoken from the presidents to down to the people in the hood, you know, coming from the boogie down, like you said. You know what I mean? And being able to, to uh, travel across the globe. I want to ask you something about abolition because, you know, that's what this program is all about. And I already know you're an abolitionist. You know what I mean? Well, we talk about this a lot. But also, you tend to be sometimes the devil advocate for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? I or you'll tell me I what I can't do just to, <laughs> just to inspire me to do this shit. You know what I mean? Like, don't tell me what I can't do because then I'll do it. <laughs> you know, But you do that on purpose sometimes. What is yeah. the vibe now that you hear uh, within 
uh, political halls and within the hierarchies and the elites. What are they saying after all of this time and effort, especially with the recent events like Louisiana and the joint resolution? Well, as Max put me on blast, um, I'm, I'm typically the one in his ear going, we can't do that, Max. It's not going to make a difference, Max. It's not going to work, Max. They don't care, Max. Only for Max to prove me wrong, probably to prove me wrong in the entire coalition, <laughs> to prove me wrong. <laughs> so as I've watched the years go by, I'll be quite frank. I, I, it went from the subject matter of, of slave abolition was never even on the table, let's say, 10 years ago. Um, you know, and, and if it was brought up, it was it was it was hurriedly, you know, taken off the topic of conversation. So, as each year is going by, and as we move into now, and you go up to Capitol Hill, it's no longer a topic that can be easily just tossed into the trash can. Too much success has been happen has happened from state to state, from state to state, state, state legislations. Um, in order for the national government uh, officials to ignore it. So the days of me telling Max, well, you know, you're going to have to, at some point, to make these things happen, get Congress, more specifically the Senate, on on the same page. And that ain't never going to happen, Max. It's just never going to happen. And hush my mouth. Hush my mouth. Because... I, I will share a conversation that I, that I was having on a Zoom call uh, late last year with uh, some some powerful members of, of the of the caucus in, in Congress, and now all of a sudden it was a topic, and it was something that you know wasn't just being tossed aside easily, and that that speaks volumes volumes on the amount of work that the abolitionists throughout the nation. Groundwork, grassroots have been able to, to put the pressure on local officials in order to make this, this this national tragedy, this national crime, an actual topic that that's being brought forth upon the government, nationally speaking. I'm glad to hear that kind of buzz is happening in those halls where it should be happening. I want to uh, read a little story to you about a, a news article. Um, it's what's happening in reply. So I got a call earlier today from Angola prison and like, Max, you know, everybody's over here talking about what you guys did in Louisiana. Even the warden heard about it. He's telling us, you know what I mean? And they're all nervous and whatnot because they're concerned with, you know, prison labor that they're getting for free, particularly places like Louisiana. So recently they had a, uh, I believe it's one of the representatives in Louisiana introduce a bill that would make it illegal to teach anything about racism at all in the state. Uh, it says legislation was filed by the Louisiana House Education Committee Chairman Ray Garofalo, Garofalo that would ban schools from teaching divisive concepts like that either the United States of America or the state of Louisiana is fundamentally, institutionally, or systemically racist or sexist. This dude literally said that he has seen no evidence that neither the state nor the country is fundamentally racist and that there is no systemic racism 
in this state and put forth a bill to make it illegal to even say so. What are your thoughts on that? I would love to say that that was an isolated case, brother. Unfortunately, this is happening particular, most specifically in red states throughout the nation where they're literally trying to change history and the narrative that's being taught to our youth by somehow implying, suggesting things like, not, and not just the fact of whether or not slavery exists today. We know that it still is in existence as we speak. But even more preposterously, whether or not it was a horrible thing for this country anyway. They, they, they've changed the narrative in Texas and Arizona where they're teaching our youth that slavery was somehow a fun day for us. That somehow it was just all giggles when we were on these plantations and just loving on the masters and, and having lost our freedom. We couldn't have been happier just singing and dancing along the way. This is not. This sounds like some sort of Twilight Zone narrative by Rod Serling. Yes. The fact of the matter is, this is reality. We are not just facing. We're not just facing the harsh realities of what slavery has done and continues to do to us and our people and our communities as we speak. But we are facing the fact that we are going against a system which continues to try to put a blind eye towards the atrocities perpetuated upon our people that continue to this day. Especially, you know, some people like we talk about slave reform, prison reform, changing um, the treatment of our, of our prisoners. And, and, and it may sound like it's all the same gumbo. It's not. In order to truly grab this pig by the tail, as my friend Max and Bible have always told me, you got to call it what it is. This is slavery. This is constitutionally sanctioned slavery. If you look at the prison complex, the amount of money being made, the amount of dollars that are being circulated throughout D.C., on behalf of lobbyists going to the pockets of congressmen, senators, and in some, some unfortunate cases, the executive branch itself. There's billions and billions being made on the backs of our people. And yet, as, as Max said earlier, you've got some people who will say, slavery? You're saying slavery still exists? Oh, no, that ended years ago. Didn't it happen around the Civil War time? Reconstruction, Jim Crow? We don't yet. We still have a lot of people to wake up. And if it weren't for the warriors of the abolition, of the abolitionary, abolition movement, excuse me, then this work, this, this incredibly needed work on a grassroots level from city to city, state to state, mayors, governors, state congress, state legislatures, and then moving on to national officials would not be getting done. And and I just applaud you people because you mentioned something about Merlin and being in the background. Mm-hmm. Well, you guys are 
are, are constantly the white noise behind the scenes. That 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 constant agitation that you may not know is there, but it's irking you like heck at three o'clock in the morning. You can't quite put your finger on it, but you know it's really getting you into your sleep, and you can't really get the rest that you need. And that's what you do, Max. You agitate. You agitate, you agitate, you agitate. And they may not mm-hmm. always know exactly what your name is or why it is that they got this itch in their pants, but they certainly feel the itch, and they're asking for some cream now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel you on that, brother. Um, I want to add also that particularly making those types of statements, the legislator, in a state like Louisiana where you had 10 and 2, uh, Jim Crow juries up until just last year, for instance, to say there's no systemic racism, as if that didn't exist in a former slave state, still a slave state, Confederate state with slave plantations yeah. that people are still picking cotton on for free. To say that mm-hmm. is ridiculous. But this reminds me of the antebellum period when they made it illegal to even speak of abolition in the southern states. Uh, and that's what we see them doing now with us as well as with protesting, making protesting illegal. But I don't think none of this will pass the Supreme Court uh, because these are all uh, violations of our constitutional rights. So they try it, but once it reaches the Supreme Court, it'll be a different story. I want to play some of your music, but before I do that, I got a caller that wants to say something to you. Uh, Travel Rain, I believe your line is open. Peace. Hey, hello, hey. darling. How are yes, you? I'm I'm well. I'm, I'm, it I, is just excellent got to have the two of you on the same radio show <laughs> yet again. Yes, yes. Damn, yes. this is epic. And yes, I said it. And we're still not I giving just up. wanted to come on and said after the powerful week that we have had in Louisiana, this is the perfect topper. Amazing, amazing to both of you. Oh, I'm sorry, if I could. Just to get personal, I, I know we have an agenda tonight, but I, I just got to say one thing really quick personally. If I can congratulate my second wife and my brother. <laughs> When it's 31st anniversary, 34th anniversary. 34th, yeah. That's right. That's right. My I got to give them every amount of praise. One of my favorite couples in the entire galaxy. God bless. Thank, thank you, fam. Yep, that was yesterday. Thank you. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we both worked through it mostly. <laughs> we had some nice, yeah. nice little trip together, but, we, you know, uh, towards the evening, it was time to go back to work. <laughs> you know, after about 20 years, you're like, you know, <laughs> not such a big deal. <laughs> we spent our anniversary doing what we always do, fighting yes. for freedom. Fighting for freedom. That's there what we go. always do. All right, Breeze, uh, you told me not to do it, and that's, you know, whenever you tell me not to do something, you know what happens, right? I end up doing it anyway. So, uh, I got a, a track I want to play uh, of yours, but before I play it, it's going to have a clip uh, that will put it in a little, a little bit more context. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll talk about it on the other side. Everybody hold on. And remember, if you're listening right now to Abolition Today, we're going to have an extended show. 
The only way you're going to hear the live broadcast is if you call in, 515-605-9814. All right, we'll be right back after this. Abolition. 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 Since so much of this is Orwellian, we can also apply some of his wisdom. Orwell said that political speech is always filled with misleading cliches because so much of politics is a defense of the indefensible with words designed to make lies sound truthful and murder respectable. So for those defending racism and white supremacy and violence and political terrorism, for those literally trying to overthrow the U.S. government and end elections for a Trump-style dictatorship, well, even among some of their peers, those things are so indefensible that they are hard to say out loud. So watch out for when they may say other things. They may hope that you only hear the catchphrase or that you take your own benign meaning from it while they exploit it to advance their agenda, not yours. Before man was born, there was the word according to John. For it says, in the beginning, there was the word. From Dead Sea Scrolls to reels that roll in studios, there's always been the word. Up the seven continents, spreading remnants of past all breaks in my wake. Resetting my holy ways, resurrected for better days, spiritually reborn and leave my people out this maze. I gave my life to the populace, like Jesus did with Barabbas. I keep my folk lifted with no help from angel dust or can I bust yo? Can I bust? But of course, don't get it twisted, mister. I can take your sister and break her back with just one. Trust, trust, but yo, I'd rather lift a mind than lay a body with my phallus. Friction of my dicks has been to leave burning bushes like Moses in Exodus. Holy Spirit flows through me like, woo, osmosis. From greatest to lesser concentration, how I penetrate your content. But let's get back to what's relevant. See, I'm more than just this flesh or my physical appearance. I'm deeper than death belly calculus, harder to grasp than calluses. My message will move the masses, fall past the disappearance of my dead carcass. I roll with lambs instead of foxes, been blessed since my genesis. Words feel so ill, people say I get sick with this. 66 books of scripture provide the map for my deliverance. I'm pleased to offend, but I'm not trying to be blasphemous, but it's preposterous to think. Things will change if we don't change. How you gonna answer to the most high and then question his existence? You got monks stuck on um, um, and continue to give resistance. Falling into coming to decadence and ambivalence. X means the unknown. So of course the master wanna know why? Call me Breeze the Revelator. Serving of the Alpha and the Omega. Eternal trek for truth. Past the stars like my name was Theta. I rock ages. Now platinum warm again. Always be blinging words on my larynx. And the BT, HBO, the BBC don't play this. You can bet I'll still snap next into observance. The way my words cause turbulence. Making things sticky for righteous pretenders with no repentance. I have no hesitance to break you down. Like Chris said, to your very last compound. 
with cyanide lace words from a man with a thorny crown. How that sound? I know it ain't exactly candy for the ear, but for the son of man, staples of the cross, staples singers, give me a hand. I'll take you there and share my fears and my tears. The very molecules of air that flare through my lungs where lack of oxygen's been known to have them stare. Our birds with concern with how well my people fare. I want to assist them and subsidize them, help them to prepare, provide them with new ways to fish and give them brand new ideas. I want to clarify their vision. Friends and foes can't help but listen. I want to crystallize, clean up lies with the very words that I'll be spinning. Keep my focus, even when rogues stick on microphones like halitosis. Spoken word is my profession, and I rock it because I chose it. It shall begin with the word. It shall end with the word. Yo, I build with these words, and I can't destroy with these words. I give them hope with these words. Rhythmic dope is in these words. I get them high with these words, and I lower cries with these words. I pay my tithes with these words. I buy back flies with these words. I simplify with these words, and I analyze with these words. I dissect with these words. I interject with these words. Shop, I wreck with these words, and I build, I build, I build and I architect with these words. From the beginning to the ending, there's always been the word. From Eden to Armageddon, there shall always be the word. And that, my friends, in case you didn't understand, that's my fucking word. You heard? That's the gospel. Now go tell your people, yo. Abolition. 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 Man, when I think of classic spoken word pieces that are timeless, that brings up there among the top. And it's so important to understand the power of the word. How this, you know, Bree said it earlier, you know, we've been doing this consistently, consistently, consistently. But if all we ever did was get you to remember the words slavery and abolition, that was a success. And that was the original goal. Breeze? Yes, sir. So I know you retired that, brother. Any comments? Yeah, you know, um, it, it's funny because it's been so long since I've actually heard that. Um, and I was enjoying it over here. I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> we, we have known from day one how important the power of words and sound power actually is. And we, we, we've been discussing it privately uh, for over two decades and, and how important it is to, to, to seep into the psyche of human beings so that as they walk away, they may not necessarily um, have full context of the message, but it's in their subconscious. Mm-hmm. And they're stuck with it. And they come back later or they're dreaming about it. They don't know why, but, but it's there, and you've planted the seeds. Um, and, and when the same thing could be said exactly about the, the connection to slavery abolition today, the concept of getting people to be cognizant that slavery is not a past tense subject matter, that it's something it continues to go on. So it took a lot of effort on your guys' part to get people to associate the prison complex to the slave 
trade. And, and, and the fact that you have been able to finally connect those subjects in people's consciences is, a, is, is Herculean in and of itself. Man, you know, Max, when I, when, I, Go ahead, when, when I was going over the tracks for the show, and it was like, I was like, well, man, there's no uh, dead man walking up there. I'm like, we got Breeze. We got to play dead man walking. But then when I saw the word, I was like, oh, wow. The word. And it's like, he dropped so much stuff in that track. You know, and, and and knowing how powerful words are, you know, words start wars. You know, people mm-hmm. commit suicide over what someone says to them. You know, whole cities, you know, tumble to ruins behind the words. You know, it sets riots off. So words are very powerful, and it was the essence of everything that you were saying in the track, just how powerful a word is. So we have to even be mindful of the words that we say. And that's why Max and I take so much uh, pride and responsibility into what we say over the airways, that we have to double and triple check everything before we say it because we want to make sure that we're putting out factual information no matter how big or how small. So, yeah, I really appreciate that track, brother. I'm glad Max didn't listen to you and he went on and put the track <laughs> in the program. Yeah, the power of the word. You could take a word like slavery, which is a crime against humanity that uh, people should be held count- accountable for uh, doing and that people need freedom because there is such a thing as slavery. And you can completely neuter that word by calling it mass incarceration instead. No accountability, mm-hmm. no crimes accused, just a little mistake that people are making. That's how powerful words are. Just that, like a light switch from one to the other. Uh, Breeze? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, how you are able to kind of play three calm Monte with words can can absolutely destroy neighborhoods, blocks, civilizations. We look at what happened recently at the Capitol and at the aftermath. Oh, it was just a couple of patriots. Uh, it was no real big deal. Um, you know, you have an entire part of the country that will have you believing that there was a picnic that occurred over there on Capitol Hill on January 6th, the same exact way. You have half the country trying to convince you that slavery is not a thing anymore, that there's no need mm-hmm. for equal opportunity laws, that there's no re- need for the Supreme Court to step in to enforce voting rights anymore. These things that, they, that they're trying to do subtly without understanding the larger picture, as you mentioned, will, will, will happen because people get lost in the catchphrases. People get lost in well, we've got to check voter ID in the current legislation that just passed in Georgia where all these laws that pressing the vote among our people, they, they do the same arguments that they did during Jim Crow. This is, there's nothing going on here. There's nothing to see here. This is all to, to protect the, the, the vote and, and the integrity of the vote, meanwhile knowing full well, full well that the real purpose is to make sure that less people 
have the ability to vote. The same way that they spend billions and billions of dollars in the private prison industry, they will mm-hmm. tell you nothing to see here. There's nothing to see here. We're we're helping communities. We we this this prison has is, is, is given this community an entire um boost and its economic surge, jobs. We've given jobs all over the place. Not not ever mentioning all the money on free labor. People get real slick with the words. Real slick. And if you're not careful and you're not paying attention, it's real easy to remain oblivious. But with people agitating and agitating and clarifying and helping to to crystallize people's vision, we're not going to allow people to go blind much longer, people. It's just not going to be allowed. It ain't gonna happen on this watch, that's for sure. Hey, brother Breeze, um, right. I want I want to get some live poetry from you. How do you feel? You feel up to some live poetry tonight? Hey, you know what? It doesn't even matter how I'm feeling and not feeling. Um, you got travel out there. You said, <laughs> "Hey, get it done." And I don't think there's, there's many things in this world, no matter what I say, you know. <laughs> That, that I'm like, no, you can't do that, Max. Well, get, like Max said earlier, whatever I say, it's going to get done. <laughs> well, I, I would like to hear something from you, if possible, live tonight here for our audience. Um, then after that, I want you to give us some information on how people can support you, maybe pick up that classic album of yours as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what Anything you want to tell the audience. Uh, then we're going to go into our music break after that. When we come back on the other side, we'll be getting ready to hear the entire uh, press conference from Louisiana. It's 35 minutes long, but it's so powerful that our audience deserves to hear this. So make sure you all tune in. And, Breeze, if you want to stay with us throughout the whole show, brother, that's up up to you. We would welcome your company and commentary throughout the process of our segments tonight. So let's start it off first with a poem directly from Breeze himself, Wayne Breeze Watson, spoken word live. Here on Abolition Today. I'm going to hit you with something we call Belly of the Beast. And this goes to all my soldiers and warriors that are still, unfortunately, behind the system of slavery that exists in this country. This is Rikers Correction Facility. Will you accept a collect call from. Uh, call it. What is your name, please? Oh, this is Breeze. Yeah, yeah. I accept. Hey, baby. Are you holding up okay? Sweetie, I don't think I can make it through this. I'm seeing things that are not even supposed to enter a man's deepest and darkest conscience. This screams is a forsaken reverberating through this hell. It's enough to make even a battalion of chaplains question and deny God's existence. And I'm sure even Dante's Inferno couldn't prepare the nigga for this. I mean, what the fuck was the judge thinking handing out 25 years for self-defense? Ted goddamn witnesses couldn't convince this motherfucker of my innocence. And this was supposed to be justice. This blindfolded lady with the scales must possess a phallus the way I keep getting dicked without the benefit of lubricant. Public defendant telling me that with my clean record and attendance at the state university, just to throw myself on the court's mercy, but mercy, mercy me. They ain't see anyone trying to fuck with my ecology. You don't think it make me want to holler? Throw both my hands on this nigga named Bubba. 
who's seeking to make the most unholiest of acquaintances with my anus or any other orifice. Can you imagine the horrors when you see killers looking to make semen deposits in other men's sacred and secret crevices? Thank it on the fact that even if you tell someone, even the warden ain't going to make no fucking difference. Trying to make you squeal like a pig. Like that fat-ass Ned from the movie Deliverance. But the only deliverance I'm seeking is a couple of our fathers, and Allah's name I pray, Buddha bless, John knows, or any other religious statement that would show evidence of my own holiness and repentance. And it ain't just the homos and fags, but hard-ass killers who swear to anyone that will listen that them taking out their frustrations on some other man's manhood has no bearing on their own sexual preference. Baby girl, I ain't going to make it. Turning my next 25 years around junkies, murderers, and rapists. See, the math of these 25 years is proven difficult to comprehend like, like freaking Chinese calculus. Too many minuses up in here for me to fathom any pluses. Love, I know it's hard, but we said that we would get through this. And I'm living this with you because when you hurt, I hurt, baby. <laughs> Even this phone call cost me five cigarette cartons and my whole next week's rations of desserts. I ain't no punk. But the only way I can see to clean up the situation is to find my own six feet of dirt. Because, lady, there ain't no real defense when being a minority is your main offense. But you see, this motherfucking judge who would just grin his ass at 25 years was nothing but a damn death sentence. Hey, please, don't talk like that. We got a baby on the way. We just got to use our heads. If I spent 25 years in this bitch, did the man that you fell in love with most definitely be dead? But, but baby, I'm not going anywhere. I'm always going to be right here. I can't spend 25 years on someone's tear, living with tears, fears, 25 years of screams and shouts, systems systemically and subliminally turning me criminal. Ain't no doubt, yo. Turnabout being turnabout. It's kind of funny what you can accomplish with an abundance of time. Flashes of a racist jury and a whittled down toothbrush. See, this phone checking nigga standing behind me is about to cause my time to rush. And as time stands still, over this ill scene, there comes a hush. Yo, baby, I'll see you on the southern side, baby girl. I love you forever. Time will not stain the love in our memories arena. But my attention now, just back to this wannabe phone checker. Failure of the judicial and rehabilitation processes have taught me how to be a stone-cold killer. Silence abounds. Right before sharpened frustration meets flesh, time gets content. Now it's all about, now what, nigga? I said, Wow. Wow. Dude was wow. doing three different characters, <laughs> like with three different voices. That's skills right there, man. That's, that takes some time to learn how to do that. Uh, Brother Breeze. This is the title of that one? Belly of the Beast. Belly, Belly of the Beast. Belly of the Beast. Um, I want to give a quick shout out to my people who uh, want to call in for the Louisiana uh, event that just went down a few days ago. Our second part of the program is dedicated to nothing but that. 
uh, please uh, call in if you're listening, 515-605-9814. We're going to open up the lines in our second hour and bring everybody in to talk about it. Uh, In the meantime, I I want Brother Breeze to go ahead and give us some words of wisdom, some tips. uh, Definitely give a poetry tip or two, all right, to our young poets out there coming up. And uh, let us know how we can support, follow your work. Okay, I appreciate that. Um, I I will announce this. I will say this. This is the first time I'm actually announcing this publicly. Uh, But we were talking about uh, the writing on the wall, and it's actually being re-released, remastered with a couple of additional tracks um, in the summer, this summer, and will be available on every um, streaming medium that there is, as well as your local uh, stores, your Amazons, your your local radio places as well. Uh, so I'm excited about that. In addition to a project that I'm working on called um, I Gotta Keep Writing Until I Ain't Got Nothing Left, um, and that will follow uh, the re-release of the Writings on the Wall also this summer. And uh got to give the mad, mad love and props to Sony Europe, who's been supporting me, as well as the Sony team overall for, for over a couple of decades now. Um, I would I would I would say definitely for all writers, spoken word artists, poets, however you're 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 identifying yourself as, that it's extremely important to keep that tool as sharpened as possible. When I say that, that means not just, you know, getting on your own ish and, and, and you know, wondering or, or, or proclaiming how great you are. True artists are always looking to be inspired by other greatness, other great artists. Um, I've had the, the good fortune of having not just great poets as in, in my sphere, but more importantly as my friends, as my family. So the things that, you know, by the time you hear them on, the, on you know, whatever TV show, whatever radio station, whatever, the amount of work that's taking place, the amount of rehearsing that's taking place, the amount of uh, capitulating back and forth or whether this line works or whether it doesn't, is going on at 2, 3, 4, 5 o'clock in the morning on, behind the scenes. And Max can testify to this, the number of times he and I have shared ideas, um, pieces, um, conscious, conscious trains of thought at ridiculous hours where I'm sure our tribal is like, well, y'all go to bed, please. But... um. <laughs> <laughs> We've been doing the darn thing, you know, and you've got to read. I would say if I, if I had one bit of advice to give to an up-and-coming poet, read, 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 read. Know who preceded you. I, I find it difficult to call it to, to, when I hear people call themselves writers and they have no understanding or knowledge of the history of writing. You can't call yourself a writer and you're not familiar with the works of, of, of Langston Hughes, you know, or, mm-hmm. or it would be similar to calling yourself an abolitionist and not being familiar with the works of, of a Frederick Douglass or, or a Walker. And you're like, Who, who's that? You're not really an abolitionist if you don't know the history. Sorry. You're not a writer, in my humble opinion. You may have a hot track. You may have a hot piece. But I can't consider you part of the fraternity of writing if you have no knowledge of what writing actually is. 
And that's from a member of ASCAP and BMI who has written for every damn body and their brother twice. (laughs) 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 You know what I'm saying? Uh, Good tips, brother. Thank you. And I'm looking forward to that classic coming out with some new tracks on it. Oh, man. Some new tracks on it, absolutely. New tracks on it, no doubt, brother. Uh, Thank you for being here with us tonight. Uh, Hopefully, as I said, if you want to stay on and continue the conversation, we're going to focus on Louisiana in our second hour. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit with our callers, then we're going to listen to the press conference, and then talk some more about it. Uh, And we're going to have an extended program tonight for those that are tuned in. Uh, You won't be able to hear this on the live stream. It's going to go about 20 minutes over. So make sure you call in at 515-605-9814. All right, Breeze, are you going to hang out with us, or are you finished for the night? Got some stuff to do. I, I do, uh, as you, you know me, I always have stuff to do, but yes, this is such an important topic. I'm going to hang out as, as as long as I possibly can. All right, I appreciate that, appreciate brother. Appreciate it, appreciate it. You're listening to Abolition Today with Yusuf Hassan, Max Parsons, and our guest here, Wayne Breeze Watson, uh, naval officer, spoken word poet, globetrotter extreme, and trendsetter, and uh, paved the way for a lot of spoken word arts out there today. We're going to play this clip about Louisiana, and we'll be right back after that. Abolition. Abolition. Where where did you serve your time? I served my time in um, Louisiana State Penitentiary, better known as Angola. Um, It's probably the largest um, maximum security prison in the United States of America. It is definitely the last penal colony on the planet Earth. A penal colony is a place that you send people away to go in order to die, not just to do time. Ninety-seven percent of the people that are incarcerated in Angola are actually going to die there as a result of their incarceration. We call it death by incarceration. Instead of getting a lethal injection or electric chair or firing squad or hanging, they use the system, the actual time, in order to grind you down until you die.
really are kind of bookended by two people. Um, Brother Curtis Davis on the outside spent 25 years in Angola prison, and Brother Ilomba, who's inside it right now. Uh, right. You know, so you got the formerly incarcerated and the presently incarcerated really pushing and leading the whole agenda to make this happen. And that's just a beautiful thing to see. If you're one of our people from Louisiana, press 1 on your keypad so that we know you want to be question or comment. Yeah. I believe Sister Maria is already her line. I see the 337 area code has had their hand up for a while. All right. There we go. Uh, 337 area code? Yes. Yes, that's me. Hey, Maria. <laughs> how you doing? Hey, y'all. In 337, that's a Louisiana area code, too. This is Southwest, <laughs> the hill of the boat. That's, that's where we at. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. what do you... What do you think so far? Have you listened to the whole program? I have, yes. It's it's, it's a great program. I'm, I'm really taken back by the spoken word piece from the brother earlier. It was so inspiring, and um, it really left me with some, some words to ponder on for sure. Brother Breeze, your line is open, too, if you have any comments or you would oh, like to answer uh, that. Definitely. Thank, thank you so much for that. Um, always want to entertain but, but more importantly educate and uh i think max coined that term edutainment years ago so the fact that you appreciated it and, and you felt something for it as a writer means everything in the world to me so so, so bless you sis uh sister maria tell us a little bit about you know what you saw this past week and uh you know how it came to be Give us a little bit of background information and uh, what do you think uh, of how things turned out? Yes, I'm, I'm so elated with just the feedback and the press coverage that we received. I mean, even on an international level, it's just, um, it's really, really astonishing and encouraging for um, all the work that we put behind this. I'm, I volunteer my time with working with Decarcerate Louisiana, another, uh, a few other pretty powerful leaders on the ground in Louisiana, just working to help move the vision and mission forward for Decarcerate, where we just uh, really want to rid ourselves of this constitution of slavery and then also look at what does a world look like when we really invest in our communities. And we know that these are phases in this campaign, and we really started off strong um, on Wednesday. Um, all of the speakers that, that spoke was just um, powerful, and their words were just so resonating. And we have a very strong leader and Representative Edmund Jordan to really put himself out there and really put his political capital board behind this bill to um, rid ourselves of the exception clause, you know, in um, our Constitution. And um, he, he definitely gave a thorough breakdown of how the bill would matriculate through the legislature, going through the Senate and over to the House, and, um, and then the the whole state of Louisiana, all of the voters uh, will be voting on this once it gets out of the legislature on a ballot in November of 2022, which is when our next uh, statewide election is happening. So we have a whole year to really um, organize and uh, put our boots on the ground and really mobilize the public and make folks aware about uh, what this mission is and what our efforts are. Yes, uh, you guys have done 
fabulous work. Um, the press conference reached as far away from my understanding as Taiwan, Australia, uh, another country in Africa, and a couple other places. It got international attention and national attention. The Washington Post, Seattle Times, uh, the AP uh, carried it across several states as well. And uh, the buzz is out there for it. I mean, it's shocking to hear that. You're talking about the prison capital of the world, where more people are incarcerated are incarcerated per capita than, any, than anywhere else, more than China, more than Russia, more than North Korea, more than all of these nations that we demonize, Iran. It's happening in Louisiana, a slave state. And uh, when you look around, you see that these parishes are filled with black bodies, as much as 80% of your prison population are black people. That is outrageous. Um, you know, so to think that we have to be fighting this fight in 2021, uh, it, it's just mind blowing. But as brother Jordan said, it, it should, you should be embarrassed that you're not supporting this. Right. Mm. That's right. You should be embarrassed. Yusuf, you want to say something? No, I wanted to bring in, uh, we have another uh, caller down in Louisiana, uh, 6033. Your line is open. Welcome to Abolition Today with Max Parthas and Yusuf Hassan, as well as our guest for tonight, uh, Wayne Breeze Watson. Peace, family. This is Curtis Davis, man. I've listened to the whole show, and um, I knew Max was powerful just as a human being, just in and of itself. But this Y'all like Napoleon Hill with the mastermind theory. When a lot of y'all come together, it become like a supernova or something. This was um, <laughs> extreme. It's powerful. Man, I, I love with the brother Breeze. And I'm, I'm ashamed that this is the first time I've heard this brother. And I, I actually think of, one of myself as one of the woke people, right? So, <laughs> man, just give me an opportunity come in lightning tonight, Brother Breeze. I appreciate you 100%. And um, thanks, thank Max, you. for letting me know about um, our efforts in Louisiana, the, sl- the real slave state, you know what I'm saying? Right. Louisiana, um, it's different, and a, a lot of people talk about it, and I, I want to just spend like 60 seconds to give y'all a really, really serious um, um, edification on Louisiana. If you look around Everywhere in the United States, if you go to Congress in D.C., notice that even though this is the poorest state in the world, in the United States, this is the state with the highest illiteracy rate, the highest incarceration rate, one of the highest per capita crime and murder rates, that they always hold a chairmanship of one of the major committees, or they're going to be the House Speaker, or they're going to be the Minority Speaker, or they're going to be something. And I don't know how enlightened you guys are politically, or you wonder why is that? How can these hillbillies, these these people from this little bitty state, always have so much political power? So, and I got like thirty seconds left. In order to explain that to you, y'all know something. After the Mississippi, um, after the um, Louisiana purchase from Napoleon, people mm-hmm. realized that, that Louisiana is holding some of the largest natural natural gas reserves and oil reserves in the world, not just in the country, but in the world. 80% of all the natural gas that goes all over the United States of America comes from the state of Louisiana. They have two pipelines, one called a colonial pipeline that goes up towards the New York folks,
transportation pipeline that goes all the way to the West Coast. So they actually hold everybody under kidnap or ransom based on the natural resources. So they're able hmm. to sell us out to keep their slavery, to keep um, – that's why in 2021 we're still talking about this because very few people have the political testicular fortitude to deal with an issue like this. So it had to come from the grassroots. So thank you all for supporting us with this issue because Decarcerate Louisiana, bro, this is not just some prison reform movement. We're a freedom movement. We're a human rights movement. And we're about to attack every major issue that hasn't been attacked since the foundation of the United States of America. Um, thank you all. And um, keep doing this beautiful work you're doing. Breeze, I need a contact, man. I need a way to listen to what you're doing, bro, and maybe um, have a – Mutually beneficial relationship. I'm on my way to South Africa. You want to roll? Oh, always, man. I'm I'm always down to to globe trot. Um, my 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 email information uh, is is cappuccino92 at aol dot com. That's k a p p a c i n o nine two at aol dot com. Um, you can always reach out to me on that. Uh. I'm on Facebook as well, as Breeze Wayne Breeze Watson, uh, Instagram Breeze Watson. Um, just reach out. I'm, I'm I'm always here. All right, Max, could you text me that information? And the same for you, Breeze. We're at decarceratelouisiana.org. We're also at decarceratelouisiana at gmail.com. And you can get me through Max on the telephone or whatever. I think that the universe and the creator put us all together in this place right now in order for us to build and in order to build we got to destroy sometime right now we're trying to destroy next mission is we we want to shut down a few of these plantations so maybe we can work together to do those things too thanks for having us on max i know my brother elam is going to speak uh going to check y'all out tonight and we got a few more people from decarcerate so i'm going to be respectful of time tonight peace peace So we definitely appreciate that. Max, are you with us? I hope Max I'm didn't here. get I, dropped off. Yeah, okay. I, I was on mute. I'm sorry about that. Thank you, Brother Curtis. Uh, Maria, uh, really appreciate you. Um, that was the same Curtis Davis that you heard just prior to Gil Scott Haran's Angola uh, poem, uh, where he was talking about, you know, 97% of the people that end up in Angola prison die there. Uh, deaths by incarceration, a slow death, a you know, just this murder, death, kill from the state. Uh, and he's also been highly effective in other um, uh, political actions. For instance, the 10 and 2 laws, the Jim Crow laws mm-hmm. in Louisiana, where you could convict people with just 10 jurors saying yes. And it was uh, used to exercise white supremacy and racism, systemic racism. That got overturned by the Supreme Court, thanks in part to the help of Brother Curtis Davis. Uh, and they also just won another Supreme Court ruling, too. Uh, Brother Dave, you still there? Yes, sir. I was on mute. What's that other Supreme, Supreme Court? Court? Tell us about the other Supreme Court. Last, uh, yeah. last week, um, the, the the federal court ruled that um, in Lewis versus Kane, we, we prosecuted a case against the Angola medical system. They have a hospital for the um, the slaves that worked the plantation there. And remember, y'all, Angola is 18,000 acres. That is exactly the size of Manhattan, New York. 
So, Brother Breeze, if you've been to Manhattan, imagine a penitentiary the same size as the whole city of Manhattan, right? And they have on-site hospital, wow. airport, school, post office, um, golf courses. You know, they have everything a city has. And they also have a hospital. But when you go to the hospital in Angola, if you're not bleeding, they believe that you're faking, right? So I was on the team with some super attorneys, and we prosecuted a case that has now um, ruled the whole Angola medical system as unconstitutional. And it doesn't probably seem like a big deal, but it is a big deal. Now those guys have to go to real hospitals. You know, on the street, so the, the state have to give them the same level of care that any other American citizen will have if they get sick, and that costs a lot of money and it lowers the incentive to lock people up. See, that's the track record we're rolling with right now. We done been up in the Supreme Court a few times and won. So, what you got for us now? <laughs> you know, that's right. So we're gonna we get rid of this slavery thing. That's that's what I'm talking about. We get rid of this slavery thing, man. We're gonna get rid of it constitutionally. In practice, it's going to take us some more work and time, but because we ended it constitutionally, a whole new door opens now to be able to attack this thing of practicing actual slavery because guess what? Now it's illegal. Um, yeah, listen, uh, if you're from Louisiana and you haven't spoke like Brother Alomba, please press 1 on your keypad so that I know it's you on the line. Uh, if we don't get any more callers, and our guests and callers at the moment don't have any more comments, uh, we'll go into the press conference itself so that our audience can hear internationally uh, hear the press conference that happened on April 7th uh, with the Louisiana Coalition to Abolish Slavery. Uh, it is incredibly inspiring. So any comments from our callers or our guests before we do that? All right, and for those who are listening now, a reminder, we're going into overtime. You'll only be able to hear it live if you call then. The number is 515-605-9814. So call that number so that you can hear the show in its entirety. It's going to be worth it. Trust me. You're listening to Abolition Today with Yusuf Hassan and Max Partis. Our guest tonight is Wayne Breeze Watson. Uh, we have our family from Decarcerate, Louisiana, on the phone. And now we're going to listen to the press conference, and we'll be right back. After that, abolition. Abolition. My name is Maria Harmon. I'm one of the uh, I'm the board chair for Decarcerate Louisiana, and also one of the co-directors for Step Up Louisiana. And we're gathered here today to announce the legislation to abolish slavery out of our constitution. But before we begin, we will have a song sung by Miss Stephanie Jordan, the African American National Anthem. Thank you. Lift every voice and sing Till earth and heaven rings Rings with the harmonies of liberty Let our rejoicing rise Let it resound loud as the rolling sea. Sing a song for. 
the dark past has taught us. Sing a song full of the hope that the present has brought us. Facing the sure for as easy as a lift that this should be 
that there are going to be some that are going to make up reasons to oppose it. Now, I don't know what those reasons are, because I'm not in that mindset, but, but I'm not fooled to think that it won't happen. I can tell you some are going to say, well, what are we going to do with those that are imprisoned? There are lots of states that have no problem incarcerating people that don't have slavery and involuntary servitude in their constitution. We should be one of those states. But let me just give you a, a, a brief procedure on how this should go. We should bring this into a committee and hopefully pass it out of committee on the House side and then bring it to the House floor where it should pass, then bring it to the Senate committee and hopefully it passes there and then the Senate floor. And then it would be placed on the ballot in November of 2022. And the reason for that, because that is the next scheduled statewide election. And so we will have time to build momentum, to, to build coalitions, to raise awareness, to make sure that this is done away with. And then lastly, once it's placed on the ballot, it has to be passed by a majority of the citizens of Louisiana. And again, I, I have faith in the people of Louisiana. I have confidence in the, in, the, in the people of Louisiana. And so I feel very certain that if this comes to a vote, that this will pass and this exception will be done away with. So what I'm asking is for all of you to tell all your friends, tell all your legislators, get everybody you know to, to make them aware not only of this bill, but of the need to support it and to get it out of this house and onto the ballot so that the people can decide and we do away with it. So I'm going to be very conscious of folks' time. Uh, I don't need to talk a lot on it. I think I've said enough, and we'll go with the next speaker. But again, uh, please keep us in your prayers and support as we move forward on this journey. Thank you. Thank you, Representative Gordon. All right. <laughs> the ancestors are with us, okay? Ashe. Next we have our Executive Director of Decarcerate Louisiana, Mr. Curtis Davis. Thank you. Good afternoon, everybody. Um, first of all, thank you guys for coming, especially the media, to give us the opportunity to make our case before the people of Louisiana and for the people of the United States of America and pretty much the people of the world. My name is Curtis Ray Davis II. I'm the executive director of Decarcerate Louisiana. But more than that, I'm a former slave. I spent 25 years, 9 months, and 11 days on a plantation here in Louisiana known as Angola. It was a slave breeding plantation um, a couple of hundred years ago, but it still carries the name of the African slaves that they brought up from South Africa through the Mississippi, up through the Gulf of Mexico, up the Mississippi, to breed and sell human beings as chattel on slave auction blocks in places like New Orleans, right? I wanted to get up here and explain to you that slavery is a moral issue. This 
slavery is 180 degrees diametrically opposed to freedom. Freedom is about health and wellness and treating human beings with decency. Slavery is about subjugation, putting people in a condition of torture and trauma and vengeance and retribution. What can, good can actually even come from something like that? We all understand the history of slavery, what its intentions were, but why do we still have it in modern day time? As a modern day ex-slave, I can tell you, is to make sure that somebody is lesser than. You understand? In order for people to feel good about themselves, we need somebody to be lesser than we are. But the United States of America is the most technologically advanced society known in the annals of mankind in history, period. Why do we still need to treat our crimes as though we, we, we're the lynch mob? Let's get them. Let's do something to them. Let's create hell on earth. Let's do them bad, right? We're supposed to treat crime as a social disease. Let's come up with a solution to cure it. Let's fix our communities. Why have we weaponized our legal system and aimed them towards minorities and um, brown people? If we... Turn the weapon of the legal system towards the kids that are coming out of LSU college right now. Start patting them down as they come. Stop and frisk them. They got their mom's Percocet and oxycodone in their pocket. It carries 30 years. It depends on who's being policed as to who's going to be slaves, right? So the United States of America and Louisiana have to get on course with the moral compass of the world because guess what? No other industrialized country on the planet Earth actually has legalized slavery. Let's say that one more time. The United States of America, the land of the free, where the blacks are enslaved, are the only country in the world that has codified, legalized slavery in constitutions and policies and laws. The United Nations has banned slavery in all of its forms. That's uh, actually uh, Article 4 of the um, United Nations Human Rights um, Articles, right? And they said that no slavery should exist anywhere in the world in any form or forced labor or involuntary servitude. If we have the moral high ground, if we're the best country in the world, why are we subjugating our own citizens? Why do we incarcerate more people than China, Russia, Afghanistan, and every other known country? So we're working to decarcerate Louisiana, but we're working to create a better world at the same time. Thank you guys again for coming out. We're going to respect your time. Thank our, our people for supporting this because these are brave people. Thank the sister for starting off and giving us the spirit of our ancestors because we've been singing this song too long. You understand? Now it's time to really get free. So let's get free. Peace. Thank you so much, Mr. Davis. Next we have our national partner, um, Mr. Max Parthas with the Abolish Slavery National Network. What's happening in Louisiana? How the hell are you? Yes. First, I want to say I want to give my greatest appreciation to everybody that helped put this together tonight, all the volunteers here today, all the organizations that made this happen, 
Decarcerate Louisiana and the coalition that they're building to end slavery in Louisiana for the first time. My name is Max Parker. I'm a spoken word artist. I'm also the co-director of state operations for the Abolish Slavery National Network. The Abolish Slavery National Network is a national coalition fighting to abolish constitutional slavery and involuntary servitude in all forms for all people. We want to end the exceptions and abolish constitutional slavery. Right now, there are four states that have abolished slavery with no exception. Until just 2020, or uh, there were none, just Rhode Island actually, which had done it in the 1850s. But now we have Colorado, we have Utah, and we have Nebraska. On top of that, there are a dozen states, including this wonderful state right here, that, are, that have legislation just like HB 196 to end slavery either in 2021 or 2022. A dozen states right now. In addition to that, there are 15 other states that are organizing to get legislation to abolish slavery in their states in order to end slavery in the United States once and for all, done with, over. Now, that brings us up to like 30 states, including Washington, D.C., which has it in its charter, and Puerto Rico, which is written in Spanish with an exception clause. And just on, uh, I believe it was December 2nd of 2020, uh, Senator Merkley of Oregon and Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont uh, submitted a joint resolution that would create a 28th Amendment which would effectively nullify the exception clause of the 13th Amendment. All of that is happening right now, people, right now. It's a beautiful thing to see. For 156 years, we've been dealing with everything from convict leasing to chain gangs to for-profit prisons to private prisons to warehousing bodies, and all of it has turned everybody that's went into those buildings into property. It happens the minute that you're com duly convicted of a crime. No judge says to you, you know, I think I'm going to make you a slave. I feel like that's the type of punishment you need. It's not how, how it works. As soon as you're convicted, you become state property. You lose all of your constitutional rights. You lose your rights as a human being. And the only thing that you're left with is what these prisons decide you should have. And here we are in Louisiana, where there are men still, black men, still on a plantation, there was a former slave plantation still picking cotton for free right now here in the state of Louisiana. I want to remember somebody, and I'm hoping that we all can channel a little bit of his spirit. You all probably have seen this picture over and over again. It's of a formerly enslaved man who is sitting with his hands on his legs like this, and they're showing his back, which is covered with scars and keloids. Well, his name was Gordon and he escaped slavery here in Louisiana. And he also escaped to a Union base that was right here in Baton Rouge. And they used that picture of him and his back and all these scars in order to appeal to people's sensibilities, to make them see that slavery was horrible, that it had done these things to human beings. And you know, what strikes me as very strange is that we needed to show horrors. Just the idea that somebody is state freaking property or owned by another person is not enough to end slavery. You also need to see the blood. Do you need to stick your finger in the wound before you believe? 
Is that how it works? Right now, here in this state, it's the same thing. Men are suffering, life without parole. Eighty percent almost of your prison population of black people in a state that only has like 30 percent black people. And you tell us it's not race-based? These are crimes against humanity, and they have to end. You know, thank you. It's Poetry Month, and I'm a spoken word artist. And I was going to do some poetry for y'all, but after what I heard here today, and after everything that I just said, I, I don't got no poetry today. I ain't got nothing to say that hasn't already been said, and I ain't got nothing to read that hasn't already been read. And although I know some can hear me now, in the long run, when it's all done, most don't ever care anyway. Actually, apathy seems to be the most operandum. You got people putting up with any kind of atrocity that this sinister system might hand them. And I don't know if God damn them. And I'm not trying to second guess, but Louisiana, let me tell you something, y'all. I've been feeling stressed. Because it appears that cowardice has become contagious, and it's making me more than a little nervous. It seems like everybody wants to put everything they've got into this well-known company called lip service. You do it, they claim it. You make it, they name it. Popularize it, monetize it, and put it on T-shirts and coffee cups with slick slogans like, Capitalism sucks! You can get two shirts for 30 or three cups for 15 bucks. And the absurdity is certainly hurting the cause. It's like wearing urban commando khakis when you really don't have the balls to balance. And we should all denounce them, but we don't dare, unless it affects the integrity of our necks or our next paychecks. We really don't care. So what poetry could I possibly read that could probably lead to compassion or action? Sometimes I feel like a fool for asking, so no. Max ain't got no poetry today. I ain't got nothing to say that hasn't already been said. I ain't got nothing to read that hasn't already been read. I ain't got no cute quotes to make you run out the door screaming, that's all I can stand, I can't take it anymore. You will take it like a whore <laughs> and beg for more. Come on, folks, let's be truthful. We take it every day with no grease, no mercy, no compassion. Fools are always fruitful. Like seedless grapes, they don't breathe, they're being bred. Or like Manchurian candidates who don't lead, they're being led. It's the next best thing to being dead and not too far from fulfilling that post at the most with a host for evil indwelling. More concerned with getting laid or paid than freeing slaves. And so during the truth will probably roll over in the grave. Harriet Tubman might be ashamed to be associated with the likes of types of people we've become. Odds are she might regret freeing just one when centuries later we will re-enslave our own daughters and sons. And for what? An iPhone, a PlayStation, a value menu burger, right now. With HB 196, we had the opportunity to be freedom fighters and not accomplices to murder. So no, Max ain't got no poetry today. I ain't got nothing to say that hasn't already been said. I ain't got nothing to read that hasn't already been read, but that's all right. We got HB 196 here in Louisiana, and we're going to keep it all tight. I'm Max Parthas. From the Abolish Slavery National Network, you can catch us at abolishslavery.us. Please go to the website and sign up. Thank you again, everybody, for this momentous occasion. Be sure to tell a friend what you saw here today. Peace. Mac also don't have a poem, but <laughs> um, hi, 
everyone. My name is Michael Cahoon, and I'm an organizer with the Promise of Justice Initiative. Uh, PJI is a legal and advocacy nonprofit focused on issues in Louisiana's criminal justice system, or criminal legal system. There's no justice there. Through, through our Jim Crow Juries Project and our litigation against Angola's unconstitutional health care, we represent thousands of people incarcerated throughout Louisiana. Uh, thank you so much to Decarcerate Louisiana for organizing this conference and bringing awareness to this critical issue. Thank you, Representative Jordan, for bringing this bill forward. At PJI, we hear firsthand about the terrible costs borne by incarcerated people being forced to work in dangerous and outdated conditions, whose attempts to advocate for themselves is often met with brutality and retaliation. We know families already deprived of their loved ones who also have to bear the awful, unending costs of incarceration, exorbitant phone call rates, expensive trips to the prison, high commissary costs, and on and on. This cruelty and exploitation, largely against black and brown Louisianans, is completely inseparable from our history of slavery. It is modern slavery. At PJI, we have four guiding principles when it comes to labor inside prisons, or really when it comes to labor anywhere. The first is no one should be forced to work against their will. The second is no one should do work that is unsafe or in unsafe conditions. The third, people should be compensated appropriately. And four, work should contribute to the person's success in the future. As basic as these principles are, as common sense as they seem, they are denied to all incarcerated people. With the passage of this constitutional amendment through the legislature and then on the ballot, let's hope to have a needed conversation in the state about mass incarceration and systemic oppression. And I'm just going to end with a, with a little quote from an essay called Open Address to the Louisiana Legislature. And it goes, end quote, Change is good, and Louisiana has a historic opportunity to atone for its past sins and express its commitment to progress by fixing the policies that have held the state in cultural, political, and economic quagmires of the past. And again, that essay is called Open Address to Louisiana Legislature, and it was written at Angola by Curtis Ray Davis in 2008. So PJI's advice to the legislature, and we know that Representative Jordan doesn't need to hear it, but to the rest of the legislature, is you should have listened to Curtis in 2008, and don't make the same mistake by not listening to him today. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mr. Calhoun. Next we have Ms. Stephanie L. Willis with the ACLU. Thank you so much. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, I'm so honored and privileged to be standing before you all today. And um, I want to thank you all so much for the inviting the ACLU of Louisiana to be a part of this very significant press conference. And um, <laughs> I have my son here today because I thought that it was very important for him to be a witness to um, this extremely impactful um, legislation that stands to pass in the Louisiana legislature this upcoming session. I'm honored to represent our organization as we come together to abolish slavery in our state's constitution once and for all. 
Slavery is not a Louisiana value. It has no place in Louisiana's Constitution. This slavery is America's original sin, and we have yet to atone for the atrocities visited upon generations of enslaved Africans and their descendants. The legacy of racial inequity has persisted and left our country vulnerable to a range that continues, a range of problems, excuse me, that continue to yield division, racial disparities, and injustice. We see the lasting impact of slavery right here in our home state of Louisiana through clear acts of hate and violence. We see it in our laws. We have to see it in underlying policies and practices throughout public life. And now we even have to see it in our Constitution. Racism is institutional, and it infected our police and criminal legal system at their origin centuries ago. Bound in America's history of slavery, Jim Crow, and discrimination. But now, Louisiana legislators can take a critical first step on the path to racial justice by abolishing Article 1, Section 3 in our state's constitution. And it can all happen right here, ladies and gentlemen. Right here. And if you look at the, the, the building, it says union, justice, and confidence. How can we have all of those without abolishing slavery from our Constitution? So, ladies and gentlemen, abolishing slavery in our Constitution wouldn't just be a symbolic gesture. No, no, no. This is a critical step to the path of restorative justice, the justice that we see right there on this building. We can't expect to eradicate the deeply rooted anti-blackness that fuels racial profiling and mass incarceration if we can't eradicate slavery from our Constitution. At the ACLU of Louisiana and the ACLU nationally, our goal is to support our partners as we work to build a Louisiana where every person, every person, can achieve their highest potential unhampered by structural and institutional racism. And that starts with abolishing slavery from our Constitution. It's time that our state accounts for the hundreds of years of brutal mistreatment of black people and chattel slavery, Jim Crow legislation, Jim Crow segregation, and the enduring structural racism endemic to our society. Let's start here. Let's start now with HB 196 so that my son doesn't have to witness this any further. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Ms. Stephanie Wallace. That was powerful. Uh, next we have Mr. Eugene Collins, who's the local president of the NAACP Baton Rouge branch. Thank you. How y'all doing today? So today we are gathered here in 2021 asking for slavery to be abolished from our Constitution. Now see, the first thing I, I got to think is that somewhere there's somebody smiling down there saying how in the world in 2021 are we still asking for the same thing that we've been asking since 1865. And see, don't tell me that 
language or removing phrases mean nothing because if you look at this Constitution, I don't see nothing about how police units were formed. We got that right. So we sometimes don't look at it how important the use of phrases just are. Words can inspire movements. Words have inspired wars. Words have inspired some of you to go home to the folks that you love. Words in itself are very important. See, if you had gotten it right from the beginning, you would have never called the slaves. You would have called the stolen. Stolen property. And as long as language exists on the books that give you the ability to put me back, I don't trust that you ain't going to try it at some point. So Representative Edmund Jordan, he ain't doing the work of the legislature. He's doing God's work here today. He's doing what you failed to do over, over 100 years ago. He's doing what you failed to do over the years. He's doing what you failed to look at and correct again and again. He ain't doing the work of no legislature. He's doing God's work here today. Because we were never slaves to begin with. We were stolen. Now, see, if you look at the way these words have been crafted and used together and lost in Louisiana over time, it leads back to one thing that has always been black people as commodities, black people as a means of income. Prisoners make up tax bases in cities, and you can't tell me that that's any different from slavery. If you look at the fact that a black man can be in, in, incarcerated and go work for Exxon, and he can't get that same job when he get out. That sounds like slavery to me. That sounds like phrases that need to be removed. That sounds, that sounds like institutions that need to be burned down. And I ain't talking about no actual fire before y'all go out and get that wrong. We were never slaves to begin with. We're not asking you to correct something. We're asking you for the first time in your life to get it right. We were stolen. So don't look. Abolish slavery. Get it right. The founders of this country came to a land and took something that wasn't theirs. And still to this day, they're taking something that isn't theirs. So we don't ask that you abolish slavery. We ask you to finally get it right. And for anybody that votes against legislation like this, you should sit down and mark their names because they're telling you who the racists are. Because we were never slaves to begin with. We were always stolen. Thank you so much, Mr. Eugene Collins. Next, we have Ms. Tribal here to bless us with a spoken word. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. As for Max Parthas, truth happens. When you look into the actual faces of the oppressed and the oppressor, you can't hide or deny what you see. One must always be the lesser, and one the overt aggressor. See, being hunted is never going to turn out well for the prey. Having to eke out a plan of survival while continuously looking over your shoulder, wondering what, or should I say, who will be snatched up next? How many will they hurt or kill? Come on, people, we all know the drill. We all grew up in the valley in the shadow of truth. How many pints of blood will they exact for our imagined sins? It's as if being born black were an option and our preconscious opinions held sway when only the Almighty had an opinion that day, so suck it up, buttercup. 
We were born this way. And for most of us, the secret to dealing with the oppression is to deny its existence, as if we can afford the luxury of entertaining conscious dissonance. Deliberately looking over our shoulder as our people are being decimated by genocide, desiccated by pride, when the sad fact of the matter is most of us are unwilling witnesses dragged along for the ride, pulling out our cell phones and cameras in order to chronicle the view, sheepishly bowing our heads when asked, well, what did you do to assist in the struggle? To which most of us can only reply that we're out here trying to make a difference. Hell, we're trying not to die. See, truth happens when you look into the actual faces of the oppressed and the oppressor. You can't hide or deny what you see. One must always be the lesser. When you look in the mirror, are you facing the truth or are you existing in their lives? Which face would I see where I would look in your eyes? See, the sad fact of the matter is if you're not going to stand up and act, then get the hell out the way and let those of us who are consciously aware that slavery is still here and the overseers are still hunting America's hunting grounds, stand up and fight. Not just for our rights, but for your rights too, even though you're doing all you can do to label us troublemakers, rabble-rousers, too blind to realize that they're hunting you too. See, any brown or black meat will do as of serving at the master's table. Where he'll dine on the flesh of the ignorant oppressed just as lustily as he sucks the marrow from the bones of the conscious few. Come on, get a clue. And their eyes black don't matter unless it pertains to serving or servitude. How much money are you worth in their pocket? What role will you play in their prison industrial court? The I won't go down without a fight victim or a willing cohort. Make a conscientious choice. Because at the end of the day, it all boils down to this. Truth happens when you look into the actual faces of the oppressed and the oppressor. You can't hide or deny what you see. And here on the American plantation, there's still hunting people like me. And HB 196 is what you can do to stop it. Abolition. 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 They had it in its entirety just about uh, the press conference on April 7th by the the Louisiana Coalition to Abolish Slavery uh, in all its glory. Uh, Everybody's mics are open again, so if you want to say something. And if you're on the line, we've only got 60 seconds left in this uh, stream. But if you're on the line, you'll be able to hear the rest of the program. 515-605-9814. 515-605-9814. This is your last chance to call in to hear the remainder of the program. All right. I see we got another caller with hand up here, 8979. You're on Abolition Today with Max Yusuf and Brother Breeze. Hey, Max and Yusuf. This is Mandy. Hey, Mandy. Hey, Mandy. And Wayne. Oh, yeah, just hearing it again, it just brings back memories from Wednesday. What an amazing day. Um, It was beautiful. And, I mean, I don't know if I'm the only one that had just a spiritual experience throughout the whole thing. From the moment um, she started singing to the end, it was just beautiful. Yes, Um, yes. Continue. Oh, but, yeah, so um, I just wanted to 
one of the things that really struck me, um, just starting with, with Curtis speaking, um, you know, it's right down the road from LSU, and when he said that about um, if we turn the weapon of legal systems towards the LSU college, pat them down as they come, stop and frisk them when they have their moms, Percocet and Oxycontin on them, that carries a sentence of 30 years. It depends on who is being policed as to who is going to be slaves. I mean, that really just struck me. I'm, you know, we're mm-hmm. right there by, by LSU. It's the party cap, the party school of the United States. But right. how many of them do you see still serving life parole at Angola? Hmm. But you have the whole ninth ward in Angola. It's just, it's just so sad. And you know they're yep. doing the same, the, the same things are happening, but they're not. You know, the weapons aren't pointed towards them. Um, yes. Uh, I mean, if they policed uh, the majority the way that they policed the, those who have been traditionally oppressed, uh, it would be a whole different world, wouldn't it? <laughs> you know? Right, yeah. Uh, what did uh, Brother Gil Scott-Haran say? That St. Charles Parish, where the sun won't go alone. Where the, the sun won't go, go alone. Up in there. Yeah, and so, then just talking about the UN Charter, where you know we are just, um, you know, the United United Nations has these certain criteria, and we pretty much are not in line with the United Nations, even though we, you know, like to talk about other countries, and we're we're so much worse than them. Just, if yeah, you read the United uh, States you know, United Nations Charter, especially Article Four, I mean, we are totally not in line with that we're in violation of human rights uh, correct uh, human rights agreements across the globe right now and has still had the nerve to talk about other countries and what they're doing oh China is using their prisoners to make goods that we're buying what the hell do you think we're doing here <laughs> even more than China <laughs> they, they'll say that you know Russia's oppressing people and you know, threatening to go to war, but we're burning down every bridge and blowing up every Arab country that we can find. But yes, right. uh, I felt like you felt it was a very spiritual thing. I felt the ancestors uh, coming through the ground and coming out of our mm-hmm. voices uh, there, and I was very cognizant of, you know, what it is what we were doing. <laughs> like we were right. fulfilling the, our ancestors' lives' work, and later that. Uh, after the event, I went to the Whitney Plantation and, and talked to the people there who manage it and run it, and uh, they told us we're the first abolitionists to ever come there, ever. Not even during the 1800s or 1700s. We're the first in 2021. Wow. So, yes, uh, thank you so much. Any other uh, comments you want to make on the event itself or what happened before or after? Well, um, one more thing, um, you know, I've never been really into um, poetry or spoken word, but, man, you're in tribal. That was amazing. I, I have a new love and appreciation for, <laughs> for that. It's amazing. Thank you, both of you, for that. And just all the speakers were, I mean, just Stephanie, I mean, Angela, not Angela, Stephanie Willis, Eugene Collins, um, Michael Cahoon. I mean, just everyone did such an amazing job and really made the points that needed to be made. Yes. 
Uh, and, and for our listeners who are listening live and will hear it in the archives, all of the people who spoke, you can find their websites on Abolition Today's Facebook page, as well as links to all the articles and the things that we've been discussing and the press conference itself. Brother Breeze, are you still with us, man? Would you like to make some commentary on uh, what you've heard this evening so far? I'm still here. All right. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm still here, and I I was not blessed to be at the press conference, but just hearing that last caller lets me know that for the average individual, the average person, that when you bring them the truth, they can't help but see it for what it is. Yes, absolutely, and everybody's there. Oh, uh, we're, I'm sorry. Yes. I, I love I love the piece. That's not a piece, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's that's what everybody tells me. As a matter of fact, as soon as I was done with it, uh, when we finished with the press conference, a young brother uh, came up. He said, "You know, that's the best non-poem poem I've ever heard." <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I just you know how I roll. Sometimes I like to sneak the poetry in. So by the time mm-hmm. I'm halfway done, you're like, oh, that's a poem. <laughs> Indeed. And then you wonder when I started. When did he actually start the poem? <laughs> but yeah. yeah, it's just a, it's a thing, man. All right. Uh, any other callers that we have? Your lines are open. And we still got two other callers where lines are not open. If you want to join in the conversation, this is going to be uh, our extended version. And uh, when we finish with the com- uh, commentation, commentary, uh, we'll go into a special edition of our Bridging the Gap segment to take us out. Uh, so let me just uh, pass the mic down, 7739. Who was that again? That's Breeze. Okay. Breeze. That's Breeze. Anything you want to add to that to, to the evening's conversation before we get into the final segments? Uh, for me personally, it's been an honor and a privilege um, to be blessed among freedom fighters. Um, in, in, in your presence um, I'm, I'm going to have to dash Because it's about to be work time In work. Japan So the time doesn't stop But I, I definitely wanted to take the hours To not only uh, Hear my voice Or, or, or across the radios uh, But to hear your voice And, and your, and your guests and, and your listeners um, It lets me know That though there's much work left to be done the work that has been done has been fruitful. And I thank you for your effort. Um, for those who don't know, one of the hardest working individuals, this is the James Brown today. Um, <laughs> he is a hard, hard worker. I'm not going to get into personal stuff, but, but on, on days where most of us would be calling out to our nine to fives, this brother's still pulling five to nine. And, and and I'm I'm truly um, in awe, and we all should be indebted to the efforts of you and your and your and your team. Uh, we thank you, brother. We thank you, uh, brother Yusuf. No doubt. No doubt. You as well. Thank you, thank you, brother. I really appreciate that. Yes, um, very much so. And uh, we appreciate having you here tonight, joining us in this conversation about slavery abolition, and particularly. In the events that just have transpired in Louisiana, incredible historic and epic events. And to help to educate those who are tuning in 
about what it is we're really dealing with. You've always been on point, brother. Thank you so much. Uh, we'll talk later indeed. Uh, love you, Breeze. Mm-hmm. Love Sister you Mandy, well. Good night. Sister Mandy, was there anything you want to add uh, before we got into our final comments for the evening? No, that was it. All right. Okay. So okay. let me see. We got one more hand up there. That's uh, and... Sean. I, I think that's Sean Darling. Darling, yep, right there. Sean Darling. Darling. Did, did, did you want to uh, say anything, Sean, before we uh, finished off for the evening and got into our final segment? You might be on mute. Thank you. That's <laughs> off the mute. Um, I just want to say thank you for airing that whole thing in its entirety. That's so powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, just beyond like it's things keep on building and building. I've been fortunate they've been following it for a little while. Um, I can just see how things are building and and um how there's a reckoning coming very soon that you know, I can see it. <laughs> so thank mm-hmm. you for sharing that and you know, and the reckoning wasn't the last election, you know, like there was a bigger <laughs> reckoning coming. No, that, 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 we, we didn't even care that happened, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> we ended slavery in two states or we ended constitutional slavery in two states <laughs> under a Trump administration, you know? Mm-hmm. So people ask us, you know, do we need Biden's help? I don't think we need Biden's help at this point. And I, you know, I wouldn't be the one to be talking to him about it to begin with because, you know, I, I look at him as a, somebody who was an architect of crimes against humanity. So it'd be hard for me to even say, you know, can you help me regardless of his position? I'm looking more towards mm-hmm. 2024 and who's going to come next. I do have uh, one quick question with everything kind of building as it is. It seems like there's a lot of um, there's people who are avoiding it completely, but there's also other struggles that seem to be, I don't want to say drowning things out, but kind of they get a lot more attention. So I'm kind of wondering, like, like with the Amazon thing happening, you know, and like the voter rights, you know, it's all connected. But I was kind of thinking, what are your thoughts on um I know, like, the work is coming to fruition, but, like, why, like, this piece hasn't really been at the forefront from the beginning. Yusuf, you want to attack that? I'm sorry. I was distracted for one second. Could you repeat that, Sean? Yeah, sure. It seems like, um, like, if you look at the national press or the national news, you have um, a lot of, there are definitely important struggles happening, like, you know, solidarity with Amazon workers, you know, and, like, um, voting rights, you know, which has been a, an issue for decades. Um, mm-hmm. I was kind of wondering why, like, this issue um, of prison, I'm sorry, of slavery abolition isn't, hasn't been at the forefront from the beginning, and obviously things are building, but if you kind of feel like in some ways it's being drowned, drowned out or pushed to the side a little bit by other struggles to get more attention. No, that's a really good question, too. It, yeah, it to really be. is. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Max. Would, would you like to tackle it? Well, I was going to attack it from one aspect, and maybe you can do the other. But when okay. it comes to what comes across the airways, when it comes to when you're talking about news reports and everything, mm-hmm. yeah, you have people there that actually, even if something wants to get put on, they kill it. You know, mm-hmm. it happens all the time. You know, where an issue comes up and then the powers that be, as we would say, you know, say, okay, well, we're not going to cover that story. You know, the producers and executive producers, they make these types of decisions. And Mm -hmm. there are lobbies out there as well that work to keep this stuff 
off of the airwaves, just like they're lobbyists and people pushing to have these other stories covered all the time. Was that it? Yeah, that's it. Okay. I just oh, wanted thanks. to cover that portion of it. I, I was, uh, for me, I, I think that there's this period of time um, around 1920 and then up to about 1960 where people really didn't know what was going on. They were kind of trying to fill in the gaps because you had the Emancipation Proclamation followed by the 13th Amendment. Everybody thought that the slaves were freed, and, and many of the enslaved people did get free. But what they didn't realize was that the exception clause allowed them to switch now to a new system, convict leasing, and they just criminalized the lives of those who were formerly enslaved. And it was much more streamlined. So when they had 4 million people that were uh, freed by the Emancipation and the 13th Amendment, about 800,000 of them went right back into cages. So they reduced the number. They made more people who were out into the free world, but everybody was always subject to being incarcerated at any given moment. It's almost like you expected to lose a son or daughter to the system, like a a, a sacrifice to the evil gods. And they would come whenever they needed labor, and just like a shopping mall, grab as many black bodies as they needed. And they didn't care if you had done it or not done it. They just needed bodies to work. And they were working mm-hmm. to death. So, you know, that period was during the period where we were thinking that slavery was over. So this is some new thing. And it took us a while to assimilate to it. And then eventually we got to the point where we started blaming ourselves. Like, we're the problem. It's us. We're the animals. We're a criminal. We're violent. We're this. We're that. And you tell your children that, you know? And, and and that's us uh, defeating ourselves uh, mentally. So between 1920 and 1960, nobody was talking about this. Martin Luther King Jr., Malcolm X, they grew up during the convict lease period, and you can only find one speech about it at all from Martin Luther King Jr. That was back in the 50s that he was talking about. But they grew up around convict leasing and chain gangs, and they had nothing to say about it because they had accepted that if you don't do anything wrong, you won't go to prison. And that's the philosophy they were under. So if you did something wrong, well, it's your fault. <laughs> you deserve it. Told you not to go around them white people without no money. I told you not to look at that white woman's eyes. I told you not to spit on the street. I told you not to jaywalk. I told you to dress right, to cut your hair, mm-hmm. all of these things. But none of it would protect us, you know. But that wasn't the narrative we were fed. And then around 1960, that's when Angela Davis and uh, Sister Asada Shakur and others started hearing about the 13th Amendment and putting two and two together over that. You know, they've lost that chunk of time. And after the emancipation, only a couple of people really realized what was going on. And we've talked about them here on this program, like Frederick Douglass, who gave several speeches about the 13th Amendment and how this was not going to do what they thought it would do. As a matter of fact, he prophesied it would be worse. And here we are today with books being published with historians saying worse than slavery, because it was. I'm also wondering if it's – I was just not to be more cynical when I was first asked the question, but if it's intentional, you know, like to – to, um, I think heard you actually to, to confuse people. You know, people. You may assume people don't know what the real problem is. So if you're a little more critical or cynical, maybe they do know and they want to confuse people what the real issue is. It's uh, it's definitely intentional and always has been. Uh, remember, during the period of the 13th Amendment coming into play, 
most black people couldn't read. It was just that simple. So they they didn't know about no exception clause, let alone to ask about it, and they weren't subject to being in the halls of Congress and Senate to hear the arguments for and against them. Uh, so they just took it for granted that it said what it said, and then for years nobody bothered to check. It's very likely the least most examined aspect of the Reconstruction period uh, that we have at this point is the 13th Amendment. And several uh, professors have also said the same, like Khalil Gibral Muhammad. So, you know, nobody's really investigated it until recently. And I'm one of those people that started tracing it and said, look at this thing. It goes all the way back to 1777. And they've used it seven different times and tried it in seven different ways until they finally uh, realized this was the way to create slavery while looking like you're ending slavery. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then 25 states adopted the same language, not at the same time, mind you, some over the course of 60, 80 years. <laughs> they said, you know, oh, that works. Let's put it in our Constitution. See, they legalized slavery. They didn't um, end it. They codified it. So now slavery is protected as a con- institution by the very mm-hmm. Constitution that was meant to abolish it. It's protected by it. One of the um, quick comments, and I'm probably running low on time, but I was wondering, um, with you traveling this week, or just kind of putting that together with um, you being inspired by Frederick Douglass and going from state to state to state and saying this wasn't abolished, what your kind of thoughts are about the connection of like um, going to all, to all these states and saying, look, this is still happening. I'm sure that's something you thought about. I was just wondering to get your yes. thoughts about that. Both tribal and I feel that way, like we are walking in the footsteps of our ancestors, and that's why I study history so much of those particular ancestors, so I can see what it is they had to deal with and how and can learn from their successes and avoid potential mistakes. Uh, But it is sometimes a heavy load for any abolitionist to walk these streets knowing that your ancestors are screaming out, you know, finish the job. You're going to let our... Our descendants keep being slaves? When are you going to finish? And, you know, also, just like them, I knew, I know that the blood is flowing right now. As I'm talking to you, somebody's uh, dealing with a horror that we couldn't even begin to imagine because of this prison mm-hmm. system. And every day, three people are going to be killed by the police. Uh, you know, at least one of them is going to be somebody black every freaking day. So mm-hmm. that way is also um, um our shoulders, understanding that what we say today could make the difference of whether or not somebody lives or dies if we can get it done fast enough. So that's it. All right. So yeah. uh, you, anything else? Um, I, was saying, I, I appreciate I appreciate um, looking at, at the through that lens and not just you know something just happened you know accidentally. So you, what you're doing is being very intentional. And, the more I talk to you, and the more I listen, the more I see how intentional it is. So, mm-hmm. focus that, and yeah, intentional and focused yeah. definitely those two good words. <laughs> but mm-hmm. yeah, uh, thank you so much. Uh, thank you, brother, for always for yeah, support. Thank Thanks for the call. Do you have anything you want to finish off with, and then we'll go ahead and thank our sponsors and get into our final segment, which is bridging the gap, a special edition. No, we just had just such a great show, man. I can't wait to listen to the archive, you know, maybe sometime tomorrow or something. Just hear First everything time. again. It was, yeah, it was, a, it was a great, great show. First time we went over time, too, but we had to because everything was so important. Our guests were so great. 
insightful. Right. Uh, the topic and events are timely and uh, important. Uh, so, yeah, and I think we put it all together fantastically. Everybody that participated in tonight, uh, thank you for helping us make this wonderful painting that we made, uh, which will be available in our archives at abolitiontoday.org. Make sure you also like and follow us on fa- Facebook. It makes a difference. Um, at Abolition Today, you can find all the stories we talked about there, all the people that we mentioned here today will be on that page. And for our news and our music and things like that that you hear here, you can find us on YouTube at Abolition Today. And you can uh, listen to the music or uh, check out recommended videos. Uh, you can mm-hmm. listen to abolitionist speeches. You can hear information about the 13th Amendment. Everything you can imagine is right there. So I definitely want to give a shout-out to our uh, sponsors and our partners, Jailhouse Lawyers Speak, I Am We, Ubuntu Prison Advocacy Network, Sema Urge, Quakers Uplifting Racial Justice, the Paul Cuffey Abolitionist Center, Prismatic Dreams, and the Black Talk Radio Network. You know, uh, Max, I think you should bring us into the bridge in the gap. You know, give us All the, right. the lead. <clears throat> yeah. Um, on the 9th of April, Tribal Rain and I, uh, on behalf of the Paul Cuffey Abolitionist Center, visited the uh, Whitney Slavery Plantation and, <clears throat> and Museum, which was sponsored by the Abolished Slavery National Network. Thank you guys for making that possible. And mm-hmm. while we were there, uh, we read some of the quotes of our ancestors on the monuments that they have there. I, I believe at this point, it's the only slavery museum in America. Uh, the first of its kind, for sure. So it's an amazing place to visit. Many of the videos of what we went, uh, what we did while we were there, are available also on the Facebook page. Uh, as I said, we found out we're the first slavery abolitionists to ever come there. So you'll hear us uh, reading the words of our ancestors, who are just reduced down to a few quotes, and then that will be followed by uh, my other mentor. We started with my first mentor, now we got the other one taking us out. Abio Dun Oyewole, uh doing the poem Pellerino, uh, written and performed on location. All right, so thank you, Breeze. Thank you, Curtis, Maria, Mandy, uh, Sean, uh, everybody that tuned in tonight. See mm-hmm. us next week as we continue with Spoken Word in Poetry Month. Thank you, Yusuf. Peace. Yeah, thank you, brother. Peace. Abolition. Abolition. Today. We are currently at the Whitney Slave Plantation in Louisiana. Uh, This is the spot where some of our ancestors lived and died, were owned this property. The Wall of Remembrance, this is a memorial with names. number of buildings. They didn't work on Sunday. They went off the plantation. They was checked out. On Sunday night, the overseer would come to the quarter and see if they was all in. If there was any missing, it was just too bad. They was whipped with bull whips from 150 to 200 licks at one time. Then they had to go to work. If you would have picked up a piece of paper, they would have slapped your damn head off.
I used to deliver notes to the neighbor. They knew we couldn't read, and they didn't want us to learn how. If a nigga hide in the woods, he come in at night to get a meal. They bore a little hole in the floor, and they break into the meat house too. The dogs could catch them now, know how, because they put bay leaves on the bottom of their feet and shoes. Then they go and walk in fresh manure, and the dog can't track them. That way, a man could come and see his family. Bay leaves on your feet, and then walk in horse manure, and then you don't have to worry about the dog. Yeah, we called them poor white trash. That's all they was. All they could do was catch slaves for money. They would whip them for money, too. They hated my master's darkies. Says they was treated too good for niggas. We told them that we would rather be a nigger than poor white trash. That used to make them mad. It still does, ancestor. It still does. My mama never worked in the fields. She had a baby every year. She had twins one time, so the old master take care of her. She brought him more money having children than she could working in the fields. None of us had the same father. They would pick out the biggest nigga and tell her they wanted a kid by him. She had to stay with him until she did get one. Another way not to have to look at was the stock that he had in the stable. This was where he whipped you when he was real mad. He had logs fixed together with holes for your hands, feet, and head. He had a way to open these logs and fasten you in. Then he had his coachman give you so many lashes, and he would let you stay in the stock for so many days and nights. Master Black him awful cruel, and he whipped the colored folks and worked them hard and feed them poorly. We ends have rations to cornmeal and milk and lashes and some beans and peas and meat once a week. We ends have to work in the field every day from daylight till dark. And on Sundays, we ends do the washing. Church, shucks, we don't know what that means. For punishment, my mother take to the barn and strap down on a thing called the pony. Hands spread like this and strapped to the floor, and all two both she feet being tired like this. And she being give 25 to 50 lashes to the blood flow. And my father and me stand right there and look and ain't able to lift a hand. Just talked to one of the managers and she confirmed that uh, there has never been slavery abolitionists here until today. Not even in the 1800s did it come. Uh, there was an area for the Underground Railroad location, she said, some miles away. But apparently here in 2021, we're the first slavery abolitionists to make it in all these years. How do you feel about that? I find that totally unbelievable. It's mind-blowing, right, to think that you're that person? Yeah. That that's you. You are that person to come in and just by your very presence make history. Yeah. Brought her in chains, living in pain, today is the same, and nothing ever changes. Hung by a noose, 
can't tell the truth, filled with abuse, and everywhere there's danger. How long can this go on? When will the light I see? I know I must be strong to last through my journey. Yeah, to last through my journey. Yeah. Time will arrive when we must. To get off the ride and stop going through these changes. We must prepare and learn how to care, for soon we'll be there where our lives won't be in danger. And when the light is clear, oh, how beautiful I will be to know that I've been. And made it through my journey, yeah. And made it through my journey, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Made it through my journey. Made it through my journey. Reno, a bloodline across the waters. From Benin to Salvador, Bahia, a scar across the face of the earth. Pellerino, the place they brought the Africans, the place where they tried to make them slaves. Pellerino, you can feel the whip, hear the cries, and see the blood in the red clay. The clay that holds the stones together is African. And each stone is a bone from a people called slaves. Pellerino was the place where death came to dwell. His neighbors did not complain, for he was a way out. From the cold, gray, cobblestone streets to the lifeless cathedrals, tall walls of demons called angels, haunted visions of white faces, crucifying Jesus again and again. But in the sacrifice of this blood, of this dance with death, comes life more rich, more pure, more alive, where death spent many lonely nights, pacing the floors of his funeral parlor, waiting for someone to die. Pellerino, a French word called the place of torture, became a place of strength, a place where faces of white saints became faces of black gods, where haunted visions and demons became healing visionaries and orishas from the motherland. And Jesus rejoined his kinfolk and was reborn and baptized in the sound of sensual skin, turned up to dance, to inspire a fire like the sun, pronouncing his presence. Pellerino was the tongue of the flame, licking the eyes of those who have tried to remain blind, shining a light on a spirit that would not be denied. No, the chains did not break the spirit, did not enslave the music of my soul, did not shackle the will of my freedom, did not tarnish the glow of my gold, and all the Pellerinos in Africa, in Europe, in North and South America cannot destroy the majesty of my people, the love of my people, shining like the sun everywhere we go, everywhere we go. 
quite as clear Oh, how beautiful I will be To know that I've been here And made it through my journey And made it through my journey Yeah, 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 yeah. Abolition. Abolition. Today. Abolition. 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 Ab